this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hi, I'm Julia Dennison, host of We Are Family. Over the last few months, I've had so many fascinating conversations about parenting with actors, writers, TV stars, and many other interesting people. We've talked about our relationship with our biological families, our found families, and of course, our kids. Becoming a parent is such a transformation in anyone's life. We never know the kind of mom or dad we're going to be until it happens, although we may have some idea. I wanted you to hear some of my favorite moments, where my guests share real talk about the kind of parent they turned out to be. It's what the host of podcast series Death, Sex, and Money, Anna Sale, calls our parent personality. Anna is married to Arthur and has two young daughters, June and Eve. And I asked her how motherhood changed her. I mean, so many ways. It's I feel like there's parts of me that are just more. I don't feel like, for me, I've had a lot of parts that I've had to really let go of. But I feel like as a parent, like I just feel like my life is full, like fuller. And certainly Mm -hmm. like I think that having a second child, I think ramped it up even more because that that sort of made like the way that I move through the world and the way that our family routines work, like they're pretty prescribed. So I think the one big thing I had Mm -hmm. to let go of was flexibility and spontaneity which like Mm. I miss and will someday hopefully get a little bit more back into my life. But yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun to get to know these people who, who've just shown up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. With like their own individual personalities and everything that like, yeah, I so, I so often as a parent, I just think that like, I would always think that I would know what to expect when it came from my daughter's personality. And then you find out that they're their own humans with their own, you know, ways of being. And it's quite remarkable. I mean, that sounds obvious, but it is a kind of a thing that dawns on you. So you, uh, you've talked about the uncertainty around the, ta- the time that you're developing what you called your parent personality. I mean, you kind of just don't know what kind of parent you're going to be until you are one. What sort of mom do you think that you turned out to be? And what about Arthur? What kind of dad is he? <laughs> Those are big questions. (laughs) You know, one thing that I have sort of observed is like that I sort of I'm like, huh, this is interesting. Like I I'm a parent who like is pretty comfortable letting my kids do almost like probably like basically crossing the line into dangerous things on the playground. (laughs) Which I think mm-hmm. is like free interesting range. when we'll you observe. Yeah. Yeah. Like your relationship to risk, I think, as a parent is something that is interesting to notice. Arthur has a similar thing of just like, you know, we'll take the kids down in a raft down the river, you know, put them both in life jackets and, and try that out. Or we spend a lot of time outside and exploring outside and climbing trees. And so I think that that has informed a kind of, you know, just like exploring and adventuring kind of spirit. So 
yeah, I don't, I don't really think I can tell you what kind of mother I am because I feel like it just keeps changing. And I feel like it's something more that yeah, I notice than, than what I'm intentional about necessarily. I mean, I, I feel like it's like what causes me extreme anxiety. I notice, you know, things like I get really freaked out when it's wildfire season out here. I get really, I, I, I had mm. a really hard time like thinking about earthquakes and the earthquake risk every night going to bed once I became a mother. Like it was like, I've had to like work on how not yes. to just like have catastrophic thinking right before I go to bed. You know, things like my five-year-old, like, you know, hanging from by her knees from the really high monkey bars. I'm like, it's cool. She's cool. She wants to try that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so obviously, like your podcast is Death, Sex, and Money, talking about these big topics. Have you put much thought, and your daughters are still super young, but five-year-olds ask crazy questions. I know this because I have one. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about how you're going to approach those bigger topics with your kids? And have you had any conversations yet with, with June about those really big topics at all? Yeah, we have. I mean, I think of like the one that sort of asserts itself, whether you like it or not, is is death. For us, we were lucky that her first encounter with death was um, the tarantula sparkles in her preschool class. So that became, you know, she got to sort of practice the rituals of death and remembering with sparkles. Mm -hmm. It was not long after sparkles died when they, you know, buried the memory box and they talked about how they would remember sparkles. And then somebody very close to us lost her father. And so we sort of like had that template of like, so She's she's very sad right now because her father died. And so she's thinking about how she's going to remember her father. And these are the things that she's doing to help honor her father. And so that so we we use the word dead a lot, you know, whether it's everything from a person mm -hmm. to like a bug, like just introducing this idea that that death exists. And sex, you know, we haven't really, <laughs> we haven't really gotten into the real <laughs> meat of sex yet, but I interviewed a, a sex educator once and I, I've thought about this a lot. Like she, she worked with um, communities of people with disabilities and talked a lot about how they could assert their own sort of agency around, you know, how they, what was a private private thing for them and a private part of their body versus a uh, not private part of their body. And you think of like how to giving people words for that in, in the, in the context of like being cared for. And she went on to describe how she had sort of, you know, used that template for her kids when they were really little. And, and, you know, with kids, like you've got to talk about body stuff really early on, like as soon as like the mm -hmm. potty training starts, you know, you have to explain these very basic ideas of like, these are private parts of our body. This is private. We don't do this. This is, you know, these are, this is public. And this mm -hmm. idea of like these private parts of ourselves, we share them with people, you know, the only people who we trust, we share, you get to choose, you know, these, so you're kind of creating this like template for consent, you know, even though we're not talking about sex, but we're talking about bodily autonomy, you know, and I hope to build on that, you know, where babies come from and how they get there. We haven't fully closed the circle, um, but they know, you know, they, one thing that's cool is like my daughter June knows that my C-section scar is where she was born. And then my other daughter, Eve, who I, I had a V-back, um, she knows she came out of another part mm -hmm. of my body. So like <laughs> we talk about that, mm -hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's sort of the building blocks that we're working with right now. That was Anna Sale talking about how to tackle those big questions as a parent.
stylist and star of the Netflix series Queer Eye, Tan France, has only just become a father, welcoming his son Ismail with his husband Rob. But Tan already has a strong idea of the kind of parents they're going to be. I've always known the kind of dad I was going to be, quite honestly. Um, and I think... So here's, here are what we expected our roles would be. Okay. I'm very South Asian, very, very, very South Asian. Um, I mean, I'm very Westernized also, but I lived a very traditional upbringing and I can't remove myself from that, which means that we uh, we really instilled discipline in, in, in our children. And I expect that I will expect that of my child. And we're usually stricter parents. I mm-hmm. definitely will be the strict parent. I hope that I will have a wonderful relationship with my child, but I know I will be more strict. And Rob will definitely be the sweet, yes, of course, my dear. <laughs> the good cop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But he will always be, I think, the, the very sweet one that the kids will go to when they want something that I won't give them. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I think it's so interesting the point you bring up about like balance, that balance, because we talk often to parents about the mental load that moms will often kind of feel like they have to do the majority of parenthood, parenting rather, even when they have a dad who's like very willing and able. And I feel like so much of this, this imbalance starts right at the very beginning from day one. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you've, you've partnered with Bobby, a formula company to try and help change that conversation around how people feed their babies. And I think that's sort of part of that larger conversation too. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So our surrogate wasn't able to pump for us. And so, uh, and we didn't want to use donor milk. We did a lot of research into donor milk and for us, it just wasn't right for us. And so I'm a formula baby. A couple of my siblings are, my husband's a formula baby. And I feel like I turned out just fine. I always say that they're going to grow up and eat hot Cheetos anyway. So, like, why do we obsess over this? Absolutely. Uh, So, obviously, I'm in a very interesting position where when we say that we're having a baby, a lot of people have an opinion on how we're having a baby and how we will feed our baby. I want to make it clear to everyone listening I 100% believe that breast milk is the gold standard. So does Bobby. We all understand that. If Mm -hmm. I could breastfeed my child, 100% I would. I can't. Therefore, I need to not be shamed for that. And so I posted about it. I got 17,000 DMs that day. And almost everyone was filled with such venom. Such venom. (gasps) Are you kidding? And I think... It's because I think they were misunderstanding what I was trying to say with uh, my participation in this campaign. I wasn't saying we don't need to support the mums who are wanting to breastfeed. Of course, they should be given every support they need. We also need to not shame the people who cannot breastfeed their child or give their children uh, breast milk and have to formula feed or choose to formula feed. Totally. Or choose to. Like, you don't even, it's like, if you want to do it, do it, you know? Like, I know. And so reading the comments uh, on my post, and it was so, there was a lot of hate, absolutely a lot of hate, Ugh. but there was also, it didn't bother me because there was also mm. so much love between women, between moms on, on these comments who were saying, one of them would say, I feel, I felt such guilt. I struggled with this for so many years. And then other women would comment such beautiful support. There are thousands of comments on that post. If ever you just want to feel like there's some good in the world. Oh, and that, I love that. And that there is some positivity between mums. Uh, please just look through those DMs. It's actually quite beautiful. 
Queer Eyes Tan France reminding us that as parents, we all face challenges. Writer and host of Top Chef Padma Lakshmi is a single mom to her tween daughter, Krishna, and they have a very special bond. My relationship with her is what it always has been, which is close and totally loving and totally, you know, joyful. I mean, I, it is the primary relationship of my life without even a close second. Maybe because I'm a single mom, maybe it's because, you know, it's just her and I living together in the house. But whatever the reason, I mean, I feel like my relationship with Krishna is just so close. And, you know, it's not without its challenges, like any parental relationship. But now it's it's becoming closer in a much more intellectual way, which is really interesting. You know, Krishna is 11. So um, every stage of her development for me has been so wonderful to watch and so um, informative, not only about her life, but about my life. Because one thing that children do make you do is they make you relive your childhood through them, you know, through vicariously through their experiences. It's nice to have that, you know. I think it's really wonderful to have that. And I hope that I'm really thoughtful in my role as her mother because I don't think there's one formula to it. I really don't. And I don't think that every kid requires the same kind of parenting either. So I think it's a very subjective thing. And so I think for young parents, it can be very daunting, you know, because you do get advice from so many people and so many sources, you know, as a good parent, you want to read, you want to ask your elders, you want to see what your peers are doing. And one thing I learned, and I think it's served me well so far, you know, at least it's is that, you know, my closeness to Krishna as a parent depends on being her guardian, but also understanding her. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the basis of my relationship with her. Yes, it's close, but I, if I'm being, you know, if I step back from it, I think when it's close, when it's difficult, when it's easy. Hopefully it's fun a lot of the time. It certainly is for me. Um, I always wanted to be a parent, but I never knew how fun motherhood would be. Mm. And, you know, I know that it's not always like that for everybody. And so I want to give those people a shout out because there are stretches of parenting that are really difficult, Mm -hmm. genuinely trying on on us. And I have those too. And not everybody has fun being a parent, but I do. And I love my relationship with her. I love first and foremost, understanding her and learning about her every day because she changes every day a little bit. I'm fascinated with her. I really am. And I learn a lot about myself through parenting Krishna. I think it has made me a better person, frankly about my life before being a parent and after being a parent. I mean, I think those in my case are two different people. Of course, the person who didn't have a kid is inside the person who now has a kid and is a parent. But you just, it's such a deep and metaphysical change in your psyche and spirit and your body too, for me. You know, I'm very um, physically connected to Krishna, even though she's 11. You know, I come from an Eastern background, so a lot of my parenting is very Asian, is very East Indian. And um, so I, you know, we still sleep together. 
and we still take baths together. I love that. I mean, I do that too. <laughs> I don't think it's like attachment parenting, but I put it to you this way. I, I am not the kind of parent that verbalizes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is We Are Family, and I'm Julia Dennison, and we're listening to some of my favorite moments as guests share their parent personalities. Real housewife Dorinda Medley is another single mom who has a very close bond with her daughter. She told me she was surprised at how becoming a mother changed her. I remember my mom said, <laughs> no, I remember when my mother saw me when I was about <laughs> six months pregnant. Finally, someone is going to clip Dorinda Lynch's wings. I can't wait. I was like, oh, no. No one is going to clip my wings. I have the nanny, the baby nurse, the housekeeper. I'm going to literally have this baby, drop the baby weight, and off to Venice I go in February, right? I was like, I'm going to be that person. And I'll never forget the moment when she, like I talk about in the book, it really was like, when, when she came out and she looked at me, and I was like, I know you. Like, this is it. Like, this is the beginning, the middle, and the end right in front of me. And I really felt that that invisible string that I felt always from my grandmother to my mother and my mother to me, like literally extend to her. And I went home and I was like, I am never leaving you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I just, oh my God. it was just, and, and it made me grow up so fast and make me so responsible. And all of what the thing that really was amazing to me is everything that my mother would used to do with her hands and the way she's handling, I saw me doing with my hands and caring for things. So it was just like, I'd been preparing all my life for that role, but I didn't know it. And I had people preparing me for that role and I didn't know it. It's it's so that I related so hard to that. Cause I remember when my daughter was born and I said to my mom, like, oh my goodness, my heart is now outside of my body and I can't fully control it. And like, that is terrifying. And I said to my mom, does that feeling of, of that terrifying, feel? it's like mix of just extreme love, but then also terrifying because you can't, you yeah. just can't always protect them. Um, and my mom's like, nope, it doesn't go away. Welcome to my no. life. <laughs> and I, and I also talk in the book too, honestly, that motherhood's hard. I mean, it's not, yep. there were times where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. Yes. Like, you know, there were times when it would be four o'clock and dark in London. And I think, I really don't want to do this anymore. I'm kind of over it. You know what I mean? 
Because, the, because in order to be a good parent, you, the monotony is important. They love the ritual. They love the repeat. So, you know, I don't know about you, but there were many nights where she was like, Mama, can you please read this again? I'm like, no, I can't. No. Oh, my God. And also when, you know, when you're a single mom and you're you're managing, I always think about like your life as a pie. And when you're managing to try and date and your love life on top of being a oh, mom, God. it's a big piece of the pie. Can you talk about how you sort of navigated dating? I've always sort of been a person that dated with purpose, but I definitely dated with purpose once I was a single mom because I worked as well as a single mom. So I would be up every day. We'd, you know, we'd make our beds. We'd go to, she would the sacred heart. I would work. Mm -hmm. I'd pick her up. She was my focus because I wanted to get her to, you know, I think for uh, mothers, it's all, it's not about the micro. It's about the macro. You've got a goal in mind to get them to the finish line. You know, you can really screw that up if you don't watch out. You know, it doesn't take much to kind of, you know, we definitely screw up all the time, but you got to make sure there's a majority of consistency in your life with them. But I was just like, I have some ground rules. You don't sleep over my house. You know, you got to, I'm not going to get married unless you're going to take my daughter on as fully as, as I do. And I don't want to play around doing bullshit. I just don't. Dorinda talks a lot more about navigating co-parenting in the full interview, so do go and listen. Star of the Hills Whitney Port told me about her journey to motherhood. She has a four-year-old boy named Sonny and the challenges she faced along the way. It wasn't like super planned, but I had been off my birth control and it happened pretty fast. And yeah, I was pretty shocked and like <laughs> I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I was terrified. Like... The thing is, I was I was not so terrified of like the birth mm -hmm. and having the baby. Really, it was just like that. I was terrified of the pregnancy. I was just so scared of the unknown of what was happening to my body. And also, I was really, really, really nauseous for like the first eighteen weeks. So that just made me not feel very like connected to the pregnancy either. I also didn't find out. We never found out if it was going to be a girl or a boy. And like, I love that we had that surprise, but I wonder if not knowing the sex, like made me feel some way less connected to it. Yeah. The pregnancy portion of my life was definitely not my favorite, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to look at it with like more of a, a growth and learning lens. Um, because I think that once, you know, once you've kind of gone through it, you can have, I don't know, an easier attitude about it. I hope. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, yes, absolutely. It is that like great transition into parenthood. Like we talked before that like loss of control, your body's kind of taken over. I mean, half of it is trying to worrying about the baby. Half of it is worrying about your own self. Yes. Um, and then you're kind of projected in our, into early motherhood, which is a whole nother trip. Yes. Do What were your, what was your experience at that postpartum period and early motherhood? The postpartum experience for me was really, really challenging. I didn't know who to turn to. My mom, who had five kids who you think that she would kind of be your guide, like she really, I feel, I felt like she was scared to tell me what to do a little bit. Like breastfeeding was very, very, very hard for me. And it was never really hard for her. And so I don't know, it just, it was like, where do you turn? None of my friends really good friends had had babies yet or were in that phase. And so, um, 
I, I had a very, very difficult time. I, I exclusively pumped for six months. Mm. Um, I got mastitis three times. I continually told myself after getting mastitis that I was going to quit breastfeeding and I, or pumping, excuse me. And I didn't because I was just too held back by the guilt and held back by the unknown. So much emotion goes into it. Exactly. So much emotion. And so that first post, that first six months of, of Sunny's life is just a fog for me because of that. I think that mm-hmm. I was struggling with that whole relationship with breastfeeding, you know, day in and day out. I wasn't even really focusing on like my relationship with my baby or like what my baby was even up to. I also asked Whitney if growing up with four siblings had informed her and her husband Tim's decision about how many children they hoped to have. So I think when I was younger, I think when I was like a late teenager into early 20s, I think I was always like, I'm going to have a big family for sure. Like, I love my big family so much. I'm so connected to them. Like, it's just the most fun. I never went to summer camp. Like, summer camp was always just at our house. Um, And then I think as I started to realize that I wanted like so much more out of life for myself, which included a career that really took a lot of hard work, you know? And like, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had that entrepreneurial spirit because my dad had that. And I think it's just sort of like in my blood. And I realized that maybe a large family wasn't something that was going to allow me to be like super happy and balanced. So once Timmy and I started talking about kids, like we were always just on the like two to three train. We still haven't made like a definitive decision. You know, we always try to keep things like loose and open-ended, but I don't know after having one, I don't know that I could have more than three. (laughs) You know, I feel you. I have one daughter and I am very happy with that. I also thought that maybe, I mean, I'm in a different situation because I'm a single mom. And um, so that sort of takes some more thinking, but of course, um, but no, I, you know, the, the, the more I kind of, it's like a mindfulness thing for me, kind of just experiencing what it's like to have just the one child and and appreciate that for, for what it is. There's a lot of perks. (laughs) It's so true. There are a lot of perks and there's so much of me that would love to keep it as one, you know, Mm -hmm. like there is so much of me that feels like everything is just so wonderful and so beautiful. And life is for me personally and like personal health, my well-being. like I finally kind of feel like I'm figuring things out and figuring out like how to be happy while having like a really full, busy life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, why kind of ruffle the feathers? But then, you know, there's just that, that other part of me that says it, do I, do I see myself in 20 years looking back and possibly, you know, regretting not having a little bit of a struggle to like have the second and have a hard, you know, couple years to then be able to give Sonny a sibling, which he started to actually ask me for, which I never thought he would, but he did. Oh, uh, that's tough. I hope that I'm not alone in this. It would make me feel better <laughs> knowing I'm not alone. But I think 
that, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to struggle. It's, and it's hard to make plans and then think about, wait, I don't know if I want to do what I originally said I want to do, or things aren't going the way that I thought they were going to go. You know, I'm sure you didn't necessarily think and not to get like all personal. No, please. That's what we're here for. (laughs) But that you were going to be a single mom, Right. right? Like, yes, absolutely. I think parenthood and my journey into parenthood, and I think for all parents everywhere and moms, it's been like, it's such a lesson in not being able to control your life. Like we all know that we don't have real control over our life. I mean, we can influence it as much as we want to, but at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. And you kind of have to just like go down that that path a little bit, I feel like. A hundred percent. I mean, my sister, she just had a baby and the baby flipped like the week before she was due and she ended up having to get a C-section and she was like really torn up about it, even though you Mm. know logically that that is going to be an option. But when it actually happens and you weren't prepared for it or you didn't think that that was how it was going to go, you immediately feel this loss of control that's like very unsettling. And I think that is so much of what the beginning stages of being a parent is about. And part of me wanted to be like, welcome to parenthood, you know, like it's not ever going to go exactly as you have like outlined. I could not bring you an episode on parent personalities without including actor Ben Feldman, star of Mad Men, Superstore, and Silicon Valley. Ben is also dad to Charlie and Effie. I asked Ben if he felt like he was becoming his parents since his kids were born. Yes and no, I guess. I think you're always, I mean, obviously the old cliche of you do, you're being a parent is just trying to undo all of your own parents' mistakes. Um, but, uh, but there's a lot of things about my dad and my mom that we, that I emulate as well. Although it's, you know, it is kind of funny to me that like one day Charlie will be like married to a woman or a man. At some point he'll be in a fight with his husband or wife or whatever. And they will say, um, okay, Ben. And they'll mean it as an insult, and he'll storm out of the room. Like <laughs> You're thinking ahead to that moment. I love that. <laughs> like, that is just inevitable that someone will use my name to insult my children by saying, you're just like Ben. Like, I know that's going to happen. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> because that's every relationship. What What do you think that they're going to be doing? Oh, God, it could be so many things that they could be doing that would be like me and the wrong thing to do. <laughs> I'm sure it'll involve complaining or saying something inappropriate. Who knows? But oh yeah, God. no, a lot. To, I, you asked, you know, w- w- was I ready? I don't think anybody is. I think anybody who says that they're ready is lying. Um, yeah. I and and anybody who says that they that it's easy or that anything has gone smoothly is lying. One thing that I tell a lot of, I have a friend who's going to be a dad soon. Mm -hmm. um, And I was just telling him what I tell all of uh, my guy friends that are going to be, I say, you know, probably the kid's going to come out and you're going to be like, oh my God, something in me has changed. I love this thing, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. If you're like me, that won't actually be the case. If you're like me, you'll say, you'll look at the kid and you'll go, yeah, on paper, I love this thing and I get that I would do anything for it or whatever, but secretly you're thinking, am I incapable of love? Am I a narcissist? Why Mm. do I, I see my wife having this unbelievable, like just physical animal connection to this kid. And I'm just sort of like, yeah, all the boxes are checked, but I don't have that feeling. I'm happy to walk away from this thing. And it's just a thing to me. And then somewhere around, six, seven, eight months or whatever, 
that dissipated. And maybe I am a narcissist. Maybe it started with like when the kid, when Charlie, because he was our first, started laughing at my own jokes. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this thing appreciates me. Now I love it. But whatever it was, (laughs) at some point around that time, something changed for me. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I would jump into traffic for this thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it's no longer a thing. And now they're all I think about. And, and you know, yeah. we're going, my wife and I are going away for a couple nights to Mexico in, in a couple weeks. And, and mm. I, while I cannot wait to sleep past 6.30 a.m. Um, and to day drink, I know that <laughs> I'm going to like be thinking about and desperately missing them the entire time we're there. And that's not something I could have pictured, you know, one month into Charlie's life. Oh, I think that's such an important message, though. It hits you at different. It hits different people at different times. That's yeah. just like that flood of, of of parent love right there, and it doesn't always happen at, at first. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a learned not to um, belittle the, the 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 mother's experience because that's just a, a one of sort of the miracles of of human nature is that they can make that connection so quickly. But a lot of times with the dad, a lot of times, not always. It's almost a learned or earned kind of love, and because mm-hmm. you're you're irrelevant for months, you're so irrelevant. You're a housekeeper. You're the guy that you you're the grocery store goer to, or you're whatever needs to happen, but you're not necessary to the kid. Um, you're in the way a lot of the times, and so it's really it's it's it can be scary. I think, and a lot of dads won't admit that because it's such an ugly thing to say, like, you know, one month in everyone's saying, you must be so excited. This is so special. You can't say, yeah, I guess, but that's sort of how I felt. No, you're not allowed. <laughs> you just have to go, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to go, yes. Oh my God. I This is everything. Something in me is different. I'm a new person now. You know, the world is different to me. The sun is always shining, blah, blah, blah. And it's, and it's bullshit. Or at least it was for me. But maybe, yeah, maybe more of us should say, yeah, I guess maybe, you know, maybe we should be a little bit more honest about those feelings. Yeah. And what what was great with Effie the second time around was I knew that's how it would go. And so the confidence of in knowing that that will come if it's not there at the beginning kind of makes everything so much easier and more relaxing and happy. Yeah. And it allowed me to actually sort of develop whatever that connection is with Effie sooner because I wasn't constantly worried that I just would never have it. Yeah, no, totally. And you know what? I'm a mom too. And I don't, I've, I've just discovered that I don't think I'm a big baby person. I loved her as a baby, oh, but I think I love babies. her even. Fuck babies. Um, I hate babies <laughs> did I just say so that? much. <laughs> They're the worst. No. Babies no, suck, no, no. man. Ba- babies, listen. <laughs> I have to feel like I have to back up a little. Babies are great. My daughter was the best baby in the world naturally. Sure. But five-year-olds, way better. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I want someone anytime. I can have a conversation with. Babies Same. don't Same. do anything and they just take and take and take. And if they're not yes. taking, they're crying. And they're just – it's. I, I don't know. That's the other thing. Maybe that's really what it was is I just couldn't pretend that I was happy to have a baby in my house. And the second – Effie, you know, once the the diapers went away, like the all little sort of milestones that say she's no longer a baby, you know, to my wife, it was depressing because it's like, this is the last time this will ever happen. To me, it was like, great. This is this is it. This is the real beginning for me. Right, right. So you guys are done. Two kids done. 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 (laughs) Done. So. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to some of my favorite moments from my guests here on We Are Family. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash wearefamilypodcast. 
We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cachione, and thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family. <laughs>